in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. We're talking about Escape from New York today. Oh, yes we are! But before we get to the greatest dystopian sci-fi ever made, perhaps uh, equal footing to Robocop, before we get to that, we've got to solve one of the most pressing questions in cinema history. Oh, okay. Here we go. The cake scene from Under Siege. Is it all about the tits or the ass? It's all about the ass. It's the titties. It's the ass. She barely has any titty. Are you kidding me? She barely has any titty. I she think you're blinded. so much. She's got back problems. No, she doesn't. Are we watching the same film? We are watching the no, same film. No, I think you're interpreting titties that aren't there. So we're talking about when Erica Elianic. I think that's how you say her name. Yeah. When she, um, you know, is thrown to the fucking wolves and has to appear semi-naked <laughs> in front of Steven Seagal. <laughs> As she rises from the cake, yes. every single teenage boy of my generation rewound that and played it and rewound that yeah, and played Yeah, because they're looking at her ass in that black, like, G-thong mm, thing. I'm telling you, it's not. It's about the ass. Tell us, dear listeners, <laughs> is the worst moment in soft porn history. <laughs> Is it all about the tits or the ass in that scene? It's about the ass, and I mean, I well, we all know that uh, we all know that Stephen Cigar was a tit. Oh, I'm announcing a stand-up tour. Oh my god! And I mean, I look, I'm I'm going to be honest. Like for me, it's I don't really think she has that many titty or that much ass. I'm going to say it. Like wow. she needs some sandwiches. But if I had to pick out of the two of her, I'd say ass. It had the least cake on it, so you wouldn't have to eat any. Actually, no, she wasn't covered in cake at all. (laughs) I'm thinking of a very different scene. (laughs) We've watched two very different films. I'm sure I didn't watch the porn parody. I'm sure I watched the real one. Oh, is there an Under Siege porn? Of course, it's called Anal Siege. Are you serious? Dead set, look it up. Oh my! Oh my god! But that is like—is that like a cook overpowering a lot of like? But like. Is he making love to with, the terrorists? With a lot of very strange spanking. <laughs> with his flappy arms and the way he runs. He tries to run. Oh. <laughs> oh. Actually, that would explain. If maybe if he was jerking off two guys at once, maybe his running technique would suddenly make sense. Yeah. If you Photoshop in a couple of dicks, his running might make sense. <laughs> the challenge has been laid down, internet. Photoshop dicks into the hands of a running Steven Seagal. It would make, th- it would make his, like... Style, yeah. the waggle, it would make that make more sense. That'd be the ultimate Olympic running relay. Oh my god! Two dicks in your hand. <laughs> How fast can you make it happen? Oh my god! What's going to be interesting is the baton handoff. <laughs> Got to hand it on to your teammate. Don't go past the white line. Oh wow! <laughs> I'll create my own white line. Oh, it's an edging <laughs> relay. Oh. Oh my lord! You know what? Speaking of cigar, yeah, and it, it's often that we shall. Can I just say, I'd like to thank you for never opening the door in a robe, oh. and just sitting on your throne. <laughs> how do you think we walk in? You know how you got this job on this podcast? You were prepared to do way more work than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you got this. <laughs> That's how. Huzzah! Oh. <laughs> it's, look, it's still better than Steven Seagal in a robe. I'm oh, taking it. I'm taking it. It really makes you wonder what some of the shit was they got away with uh, in Hollywood. Yeah, but can you imagine if you slept with someone and you end up in 
Under Siege 2. <laughs> and you're an extra. You'd ask for your route back. You would. Do you know what I mean? You would. <laughs> bullshit. Oh. oh, my God. This, oh, I'm trying to think of like, you know, like bad sort of like 80s action films. There's none that I'd really like want to. There's none you'd fuck to be in. No. No. Th- th- actually, there's a couple that I'd fuck to not be in. <laughs> fuck my way out of it, but not fuck my way in. That's brilliant. <laughs> like um, a reverse wine thing. Yeah. Which sounds like a sex move in itself. I know. That being said, you know who always had like a weird, like a bit of a little homosexual crush on? Who? Okay. Jean-Claude. Okay. In the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, right. you know, Double Impact. Oh, God. I saw it a long time ago. Yeah. What the, um, the, the head, like, Honcho, he has like his, you know, like they always have like their number one specialist assassin. Yeah. And it's that chick, but she's that huge bodybuilder chick. Oh. And she tries to crush that guy with her thighs. That's so good. It's kind of hot. Yeah. And you're like, oh, oh, I don't know what this is, but ah. Oh. <laughs> like if you've got to go, yeah. I reckon that's the way to go. That is, that's a pretty good way to go. Yeah. I love how those films, they basically cast like two people. It was like Van Damme and they'd always be like Bolo Jung in it yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh my God. And I love it because you watch it. Like it, they literally had like the same 12... Asians who worked as extras yeah, for all of those that films. One Every dude single with the, one. The one dude with the scullet and the big long mo. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Bald at top, long hair. It's in everything. He's amazing yeah. too. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and you never hear bad words about him. Yeah. Uh, he never answered the door in a rope. <laughs> Hell no. Oh my Lord. Yeah. It's hilarious. You watch it every time. It's always it's the same 12 guys. And you're yeah. like, yeah. And there's that um, Native American guy who was always in the Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And with the same 12 Asians. (laughs) Yeah. They built Hollywood. They really did. After they finished building the railway, they just stayed in the West and built Hollywood. They just built Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, well, you think there was a petition to get, um, oh, I feel really bad now. I've forgotten his name. To get his uh, walk uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The the guy from um, Big Trouble in Little China. It isn't everything. Oh, yeah. He was, um, fuck. Uh, do you feel- mean the guy with the wonky eye or the guy who was also in Seinfeld? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's the guy with the wonky eye who was also in um, fucking Gremlins. I can't remember no, his name. No, not him? no, 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 not him. Not, not, not Egg. No. No, um, the other guy. Yeah, the other guy. Who yeah, was, he was, he was in Se- literally everything. Yeah, he was in Seinfeld. He was, uh, fuck, he was also in, of all movies, R.I.P.D., which is yeah. amazing. He's yeah. so good in that. Literally, ev- like, he's about every film. He should have a fucking Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, thing. absolutely. And it's like every film from, like, the, I think, I think he started in the 70s, from the 70s yeah. onwards. If there is an Asian at some stage yeah. in your film, guaranteed it, it's him <laughs> or one of 12 other guys. You ever notice that there's no Australian Walk of Fame here in Australia? Because like films are shit. <laughs> oh! All of them. That's not true. Mad Max Two is an excellent film. Well, if, okay, so the whole the Hollywood Walk of Fame in Australia would basically be Frank Miller. It would be Mad Max Two and Babe. Pretty much. That's what it would. Oh my god! And the castle, and it would just have you showing up and spitting on it once a I day. Jack hammer that shit. So I know how much you hate that film. I fucking hate. It. We I need to, we need to develop. Well, no one gives a fuck in the US because no one's seen it. Yeah. Good. Oh, it's a- I'd trade school shootings and no abortion rights to live in a world without fucking, <laughs> without the fucking castle being it's a cultural touchstone. It's not that bad of it's a film. It's terrible. It's it's relatable. 
relatable it as a Aussie battler. No, they they are fucking lampooning working class people. No, oh. it's the gods must be crazy, and we are the fucking tribesmen with the coke bottle. But it's like I know I I have aunties and uncles who are like that. I've got a fa- I've got family members who are like that. It's yeah. kind of spot on. It's yeah, the characterizations are spot on, but the intent of the film is fucking very nasty. It's written by a guy who has a fucking racing car. He drives a Porsche. Get fucked. Oh, way to like ruin childhoods. Yeah. Thanks, John. Is there anything oh, you want to I'm say sorry. about like the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus while we're here? I'm the fucking one person in the Australian entertainment industry who hasn't legitimately ruined childhoods. I'm thinking about Hey Dad. <laughs> Ooh. Hey. Yeah, for people overseas, he tried to touch some people and then didn't no, no, no. touch some other no, people. No, no. He didn't. Um, it was the Yoda situation. There was no try. <laughs> I was allegedly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He, he served time. There's no allegedly. <laughs> ah, okay. We don't have to say the allegedly. No, we don't have to say allegedly. He's a fucking kitty fiddler. All right. Yeah, boo. Yeah. Boo. Oh. Well, this lemonade is making me angry. <laughs> What's going on? Sugar-free lemonade. (laughs) It's all this erythritol. Can you imagine if that's the way how you made like the Hulk angry in the Avengers (laughs) film? You had to just give him a little glass of lemonade. (laughs) They're like battling the Nazis. It's like, oh, hang on, hang on. He's just got his little flask. And he had had Fanta in Nazi Germany. You could never get him angry. (laughs) I'm so like I've always enjoyed. Fanta, and now I feel a little bit weird when I drink Fanta. I kind yeah. of feel like I'm a, I'm a, almost a Nazi. Almost. Yeah. You're proto-fascist. I know. I am one step away from invading Ukraine. Yeah, <laughs> I said it. Oh. Hard-earned thirst needs a big cold Fanta. <sighs> Just kicking up next to the guard tower, having a citrusy refreshment. It's going, wow, the Coca-Cola company really is inclusive, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> should you look at your watch that you stole from somebody's dead <laughs> your, uncle? Your five watches. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's time for Fanta. It's always time for Fanta. you got five watches on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Be like Schindler's List, the one thing in colour is the fucking glass of Fanta <laughs> and the pile of gold teeth next to you. Pile of teeth. Oh, my God. Oh, you get a thirst, doesn't matter if you're stealing a fridge. (laughs) You're stealing a toaster. (laughs) I got a thirst. (sighs) I got a thirst a tractor couldn't pull out of me. I don't know. Ukrainian tractor could pull anything out of anything. (laughs) I like that you pulled me out of the situation because I was talking about Nazi death camp guards. And you were nice enough to pull me into the, the modern day so that I can't get cancelled. But just to be clear, I was joking about the Holocaust. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I don't think that makes it big. Like, the more you try to dig yourself out, you dig yourself back in. <laughs> Nazis are shit. They are pretty shit. All right, we want to say that. We are, I think we were on the record saying that. Nazis are shit. Oh, yeah, the, the question where people are just saying, is it okay to punch Nazis? Like That's, that's like given. That's given permission. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it's like ah, oh, I I can't compute your question because this isn't a question. <laughs> Mostly because the people that are asking that fucking question are the kind of nerds on Twitter who consider Quidditch a contact sport. So fucking don't make the Harry Potter fans angry. They will hex oh, us. They're too busy dealing with their turf lord leader. So we'll be fine. <laughs>
Solidarity with our trans friends oh, and listeners, by the way. Oh, my Lord. Talking about never knowing when to like stop just digging yourself in. It's the lemonade, man. That's her magic trick as well. <laughs> oh, look, there's a hole. Oh, my God. I've just made it deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> Turfus Maximus. <laughs> Wave that wand. You were born with one and you've always got one. God, no, I was going to call it Transus Maximus. <laughs> Transphobia. Patouche. <laughs> oh, my Lord. She's dueling with Twitter. You know what? Seriously, you've got that much money. Just say yeah. thank you very much and go somewhere and yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, take Gary Linian with you. Yeah, just just go Thanks somewhere Thanks for Father Ted, but fuck off now, mate. Yeah. 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 Oh, why? Has he gone bad? Oh, yeah, he's gone full fucking crazy uh, turf transphobe, yeah. No. Yeah, he wrote two of the best sitcoms of all time, and now he's a fuckstick. What? What? What is it with people of this certain generation? Apparently, with like know. with trans Who people, gives a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Ugh. Ugh. For Ugh. our American listeners, you would have seen the it crowd or the IT crowd, as some people no incorrectly refer no to. One, no one calls it the it crowd. It's, it's the, the it it's crowd. Words, the it crowd, because you're not part of the it crowd. They're nerds. Anyway, forget that show. <laughs> The far superior show was Father Ted. And you need to watch Father Ted. It is the greatest sitcom ever made. I don't, but try explaining it to people. I include that in the world where Seinfeld and MASH exist. But try explaining it to people. It's about all yes. It's it's an older priest and a younger priest living together in a house and there in the countryside. On an inbred Irish island. <laughs> and hilarity and jewels. Oh, it's so fucking good. It is actually. It is. The passion of Saint Tibulus. You can't go in to see that. You see his lad father. It's so fucking good. <laughs> oh, I'm a bit disappointed that he's gone a bit. Oh, the, off the fucking wall, yeah. Like he's yeah. he's just been completely cancelled. Oh, and he's one of those people who could have just shut the fuck up yeah. and he would have been fine. Yeah. But no, he had to just drive himself into the ground. You know what? I figured out. Do you think that she's uh, like JK Rowling is just against trans people? Because I know as as when you go to the ladies' bathroom, yeah. there is always more ladies than there are bathrooms. Do you think she's just afraid of there being more numbers running over um, to the feet and just more people in the toilet? Is that what she's worried about? Counter-argument. Mm. With less men on the planet, there's less men around to kill women, which we do at a startling rate. So there's even more. So that's double. You're not only now living life as a woman, but you've yeah. taken yourself out of the system that kills women. Double women. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we're all going to piss ourselves at the queue. Exactly. So, oh. yeah. Oh, look, she's rich. She's not sharing a bog with the no. rest of us, whatever. <laughs> I dare say she has a bog at her castle, though. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, my God. Yeah, she's not She's not sharing the same bloody yeah. shithouse that I am. I bet you guys called the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> no, that's what you'd call your fatty, surely. Well, hers it would be, because she's unfuckable. That's not true. She's married to a doctor. Actually, she's quite hot. Oh, really? Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I would. Oh, put your wand away. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take her to the room of requirement. Oh, oh it's it's a weird little world that you live in. It isn't is, it? yeah. It's strange. Yeah. Well, you know what? Speaking of weird dystopian futures, <laughs> you like that? I do like that. You you attached your Ukrainian tractor to my <laughs> failing advance, <laughs> and you've dragged us back. Well, you know what? It drags us back 
to this week's, would you believe, this week's subject. Oh. And I think you're going to enjoy this because I've actually found what I think is you in the apocalypse. You show up as a character in this. In, yeah. in Escape from New York. Oh, yes. Fantastic. I found you. I found your future. Oh. I hope I'm someone cool. All right. Just now picture this. Yep. All right. It is the near future after World War Three. It's about to that's, happen. Yeah, that's kind of fucking happening. Yeah, right. any day now. Yep. The three remaining superpowers, America, China, and Russia. I don't think it will be Russia. I think it will be Ukrainian farmers, Ukrainian tractor <laughs> owners. <laughs> They'll have the largest army at the end of this. Oh, yeah. Now, they all scramble for power. The United States has become a dark and fascist state. Fuck, this is the present. <laughs> <laughs> A country divided in two by the haves and the haves not. It's getting spooky. Yeah. With ordinary people being forced into extraordinary acts of desperation and with people turning crazy from the side effects of chemical weapons used in the Third World War, crime rates surge by over 400%. That's not that bad for late capitalism, really. The island known as Manhattan in New York City is cut off by the outside world. It is surrounded by 50-foot-high concrete walls and armed guards, and the area becomes the maximum security jail for the entire United States. There are no guards, no cells, no laws inside its walls. There are only inmates. And thanks to the hijacking of Air Force One by one of its disgruntled citizens, it's now home to the president. Whoa. President of what? (laughs) Don't be cute, Bliskin. In 1976, America was caught in the horror show that was Watergate. And a young man would pen a screenplay. The whole feeling of the nation was one of real cynicism about the president, he says. But no studio would make his picture as it was as the writer states. It was too violent, too scary, and too weird. Oh, my Lord. Stab a priest with a fork. (laughs) Everybody's coming to New York. (laughs) Finally, a musical I can get behind. That's so much better than Rent. (laughs) So much (laughs) better. Oh, Mamma Mia. Oh, my Lord. No more opera at the Met, but do you think the Met Gala is still going? Oh, of course, and they already dress like it. (laughs) Yeah. Like transgender fucking garbage robots. Because <laughs> they all fucking look like that. <laughs> oh my God. Weirdly, Kim Kardashian two years ago would have had the perfect outfit. 
<laughs> she just came as like the black, just like shapeless thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she was preparing for the future. Fuck, she knows some things that we don't. She can access it. The irony of this whole thing being yeah. that Escape from New York is set in the year 1997. 90, the, the near future, yeah. 1997. That's why you don't put dates on things. Okay, but. so... Mm-hmm. Have a guess what the current population of Manhattan is. Ooh. Um, oh. So remember, Manhattan is being fenced off and turned into a prison for the entire mm-hmm. United States. But see, the thing is, I think it's a bit because whereas like the rest of New York, everybody doesn't have a lot of money, everyone's put on top of each other. Manhattan, they've got the fancy buildings though, haven't they? They've they got do. all the rich people in Manhattan. Yeah. So they have their own toilets. Um, their own chambers of secrets. Their own chambers of secrets. Um, oh God! Um, is there something like twenty six million people? No. So there's like twenty. I think it's like New York is like twenty million or something like that. Okay. The population of Manhattan yeah. today yeah. is one point six million. Holy shit! One point six million. The have a guess at how many people are currently incarcerated in the United States. Five hundred and fifty million. Two point two million people are currently wow. incarcerated. That's 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 twice the population of the city we live in. Two point two million million people, and that's now. And they're all black, obviously. Of course, there's some there's some like poor white kids as well. But a couple of yeah, there's Tim Allen. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of Latinas. Yeah, <laughs> but and it's it's pretty much all black people, I guess. Pretty for much all black people having marijuana. Yeah, or because wearing convicted hoodies. felons in the US can't vote. It's a brilliant way of getting one, you know, two mm. million voters out of the system. Wow. So it's you really could just slip them into New York, and they would not. Wow. Yeah. So 400% on that is what? This is my dodgy maths. That's 8 million people. So we're going to cram 8 million people Uh into a space currently occupied by... 1.6 1.6 million. Yeah, but they're rich people. They're I'm rich saying they're, they're poor. They're, they're, we're used to living on yeah, top of each other. The poor people would eat them pretty quick. Yes. And good on them. I want Elon Musk's head. Oh, I did it like that fucking monkey in Temple of Doom. Oh, my God. But you know what? I, I was going to say that I would I would eat Mark Zuckerberg, but all those wires, you know. <laughs> You're going to be picking that shit out. Yeah, that's going to get stuck in your teeth. It's going to be like one of those old Christmas puddings with the coins in it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I reckon he's going to be like Ash from Alien. It's oh, just yeah. a lot of like, just his milky robot fluid. You know he cuts his hair to look like fucking Caesar Augustus? Oh, he's such a twat. He's a fucking douche. Imagine being that rich and being that much of a douche. Have you seen the footage of him trying to like relate to the kids where he's standing in the kitchen and a pe- and like, you know, toast pops? And he's like, I'll do what the pe- like these people do. He's clearly never done anything for himself. And no. the toast, like he's supposed to take the toast. Yeah. And then you would butter your toast, eat, eat your toast. No, the toast pops. Yeah. He literally takes the dry bit of toast, puts it on the plate, and then takes a bite out of it. Just plain. He's a robot. He's a fucking robot. And not a good one. Real, yeah. Like, you at least want a sex one you could fuck. Oh, that, he's an unfuckable jerkbot. Like, why would you design a computer to look I like that? No. Like, at least, you know, make it Brent Spiner, Mr. Data. It's yeah. friendly. It's relatable. That footage of him on Lake Tahoe surfing on that electric surfboard with, like, the American flag as John Denver plays <sighs> is the fucking... You know what? I've, I've always kind of liked America's patriotism. Uh, I think it's cool. Like, their national anthem's amazing. Yeah. It's really rousing. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I just wanted to see him get eaten by a prehistoric beast uh, at yeah. that point. 
Yeah. Like when it's Kanye on like a jet ski, yeah. do you know what I mean? With rockets flying overhead, it's cool. Yeah. When he does it, you're like, oh, that's not cool. Oh, who taught the fucking Terminator to surf? <laughs> Fuck. It's a very, it's like Terminator 8. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yuck. The future's getting wavy. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, that's that's scary. So we really could just slot those people into New York. You really could, yeah. It's actually not that ridiculous. Wow. Okay. So back in 1976, Carpenter yeah. had when he was writing this thing. Yeah. He's like, okay, my hero, my hero, very clear cut. It's very defined. He's a man. He's the man's man. He's gonna be the ultimate man. Carpenter was actually struggling to think of a name for his hero. Just nothing was manly enough. Okay. Okay. So he needed something tough, something memorable. Okay. So this is 1976. Yeah. Okay. Nothing was, nothing fit. You know, so we're lucky he didn't end up as like Dirk Diggler. (laughs) I was just thinking that because you got like, um, you know, like this is like the the height of the black exploitation stuff where like American footballers were like finding themselves in action films and yeah, 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 all this kind of stuff. So yeah, like I'm guessing like yeah, like Steel Cockington or something like that might have been. (laughs) Oh my god, Steel Cockington is is actually kind of pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, we need to write something with Steel Cockington in it. Oh, what about Dave Wombstorm? (laughs) That's a good one. It's a hell of a porn name. Oh my God. <laughs> well, nothing was fitting for his character. Yeah. But then a friend of a friend of John Carpenter. This is always good. Suggested the name of a tough kid that went to his high school. Now this kid. Yeah. This was a tough kid. All right? Okay, yeah. This kid went, had the last name Pliskin. Okay, that's a real name. But his friends, after he went out, so this is a high school student. Okay, so 15, 16, yeah. Went out and got a tattoo of a snake on his abdomen. Wow. What high school kid is, how tough are you? Wow. There is tough and then there is 15 getting a snake tattoo on your abdomen. That's pretty tough. So his friends. Yeah. And I guess the people he was beating the shit out of. Yeah. Which includes the teachers and parents by the sounds (laughs) of it. Yeah. They used to call him Snake. Wow. And hence Snake Pliskin was born. Oh, my God. Wonder, so, wonder if he grew up to be a prisoner. <laughs> it's just him and Tim Allen. <laughs> what did you do, cocaine smuggling? What did you do? I beat the shit out of my everyone. <laughs> yeah, just everyone as he's beating the shit out of him. <laughs> but how crazy is that? So there is actually a snake plisket out there. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But can you think how bad life would be for snake plisket? After Escape from New York comes out. Because everyone, no one's going to know that you're the real, true, authentic, you inspired this Snake Plissken. Everybody is going to think you're so much of a sad loser that you went and changed your name legally. You paid the $40 to change your name to Snake Plissken. (laughs) As you're trying to chat women up in bars, showing them your tattoo, which has lost some of its its collagen over Uh the years and now looks more like an anaconda that's eaten a goat. (laughs) <laughs> What'd you change your name from? Han Solo <laughs> Fuck You and 
suddenly go from the most fuckable dude in the room to just nothing. Nothing. You get nothing. Nothing. Like, oh, you fucking want to be. Yeah. Do you think he, like, he sadly had to, like, <laughs> resort to, like, wearing an eye patch? <laughs> <laughs> Probably from the syphilis, I would imagine. Because anyone that's getting a tattoo in high school is yeah. definitely... Of, of, a, of a snake on their abdomen. Definitely getting syphilis. Leading to their penis. Yeah. 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 Well, that is, it's that the snake directs you to the syphilis, so it's easier to find. <laughs> There's the fucking house in Harry Potter no one talks about. Syphilis. <laughs> that sorting house is, that sorting house a cunt. <laughs> I'm putting you in syphilis house. <laughs> Itchiness, Maximus, <laughs> buttus. There's just one guy with a snake tattoo and like three cheeks whose dads have been horrible to them. <laughs> All they really needed was a hug. <laughs> uh, so yeah, real Snake Plissken based on a real dude. That's amazing. Uh, Nick, although John Carpenter actually said, and this is a bit of a footnote for anyone who's out there trying to get a job in a John Carpenter film. John Carpenter actually said, these were his words, <clears throat> quote, anybody with a snake tattooed on them someplace, that's my kind of hero. Fuck yeah. So, yeah, you want to get a job with Carpenter, <laughs> cover your body in snakes. That's all I'm saying. That's amazing. Tattoo away. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Carpenter actually brought in a friend from his uh, film school days to help him work on the script, put a bit of humour into it. Oh, yeah. So he actually brought in Nick Castle. Nick Castle actually played the role of Michael Myers in the original Halloween film. And he's funny. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Apparently, it was his idea for Snake to switch out the tapes and just play the jazz music oh. um, at, at the end. That's yes. amazing. I never, that was such a weird plot point having a tape he's got to play. <laughs> I know, looking back now. Like I've made a mixtape for the world. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to hear my early cuts of Bon Jovi? Yeah, you just like cut it on. It's just all this like emo, like everybody <laughs> cries. Oh my god! Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, he'll be in his. He'll be in the war office for another two weeks. Just like, <laughs> get it out of his system. Oh Lord! Now, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell first worked together on a made-for-TV movie called Elvis. Oh really? About would you believe Elvis Presley? That's pretty cool. You know who played Elvis? Who? Kurt Russell. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Did John Carpenter do the soundtrack? <laughs> I would love to hear Viva Las Vegas played on a fucking... The synths of the synths. <laughs> played on an ARP Odyssey. Just doom, 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 doom. That'd be awesome. Oh, my God. I actually want to hear the synths' suspicious minds now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, there you go. One take, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Fucking all these synth arpeggios in. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. All right, so they had worked together on the project and at the time, Carpenter had actually spoken to Kurt Russell about the possibility of him playing Snake Plissken and Kurt Russell was on board straight away. That man could smell a good movie. Yeah. He had actually been looking for the perfect movie to distance himself from the sweet, innocent, clean boy image after the years of all the Disney films. Yeah, yeah he was in a bunch of shit, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, the computer wore tennis shoes. What? 
Yeah. Who knew that dude was going to turn out to be a manly stud? Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, Kurt Russell actually turned down other films in the lead up to this. Right. Because this was when, you know, Carpenter had talked about it, but Carpenter was having a problem, you know, getting it made. Yeah. Other people approached Kurt about making other pictures. No, Kurt was so determined that this, this was going to be the breakout role for him yeah. to completely change his image. Now, <clears throat> it Kurt Russell, John Carpenter, as we know now, in like looking back, it's a complete match made in heaven. They made yeah. some of the greatest films. Okay? Absolutely. So yeah, match made in heaven for everyone but the studio. Oh no. The studio had no faith whatsoever that Kurt Russell could be a tough guy. They wanted no part of it. Really? They were like, ew. Ew, you, you can't get that sweet, lovable lad. <laughs> oh, no. So, oh, Lord. Like, so they're like, we need a renegade, an, an alpha wolf. Okay. A man. So this is okay. late, I think it's like early 80s. Right. So who do you think the studio approached? They approached two actors, first of all, for their manly man. Manly men. Alpha wolves. Oh, God. You know Could what? have been Snake Plissken. It's it's fuck. So the studios they're still in the John Wayne phase, basically. Uh huh. So I'm guessing like Cassavetes, something like that. No. No. Okay. No. Uh, Warren Beatty, because he's just come. <laughs> yeah, because he's just done like Bonnie and Clyde and uh-huh. shit. Yeah. Warren Beatty. No. No. Thank God. No. James Woods. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, he was too crazy. <laughs> The only thing crazier than Escape from New York is fucking John Wood. James Woods. <laughs> James Woods, yeah. Oh, my Lord. No. First one. If you th- fucking tell me Tom Selleck, I'm going to scream. <laughs> it you, seems he was offered every other, like... You cannot have Snake Plissken with a moustache and a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Although that kind of would have worked. Studio begs to differ. Yeah. Uh, no. The first man that they approached, Nick... Nolte. No way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it just seems like there was that phase where they were trying to put like Nolte as well yeah. into everything. He was like the army hammer back then. Like they tried to get him in everything and yeah. just couldn't make him yeah. stick. No, but Nick Nolte was not interested in the project. Because he also tried to get fucking Han Solo, didn't he? They tried to make Nick Nolte Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but like Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah, you choke on those words. That's the Jim Beam. <coughs> Holy shit, have you got COVID? That's the idea of me trying to picture Nick Nolte as Han Solo. <laughs> uh, I got a bad feeling about this. Uh. Oh my God, do you think they would have even made it to a second, let alone like an eighth film, <laughs> if Nick Nolte was Han Solo? Because I've got a feeling that, like, Chewbacca, he's kind of like a dog. He wouldn't bond. <laughs> no, that's who you get Gary Busey. Oh. Just fuzzy Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> Makes as much sense. <laughs> it's just like space balls, basically. <laughs> oh, my God. Nick Nolte. Who was Nick. the other one? So, yeah, thankfully he wasn't interested. The other one, Jeff Bridges. What, what? the hell? Jeff Bridges. That's a weird one. I love Jeff Bridges, but that's a fucking weird yeah, one. Like, but Tron. Yeah. Like, who's like, oh, yeah, the Tron guy. He's obviously yeah. an alpha. Get neon pants in here. <laughs> exactly. He can throw his, like, sparkly frisbee around. <laughs> Thankfully, Jeff Bridges 
was not interested. Thank goodness. Good on you, Jeff. The studio was actually interested in one more person, a country and western singing sensation. Conway Twitty? Chris Christopherson. What? Chris Christopherson. But the only reason they didn't pursue him further was because the movie Heaven's Gate came out and it was just a huge box office flop. Oh, okay. And they were like, quick, Ixnay with the, like, Officer Nay. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So he got crossed off the list. Okay, Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Okay. The these... ghost of Graham Parsons, was he Was he in the fucking mix as well? Hey, look, Chris Christopherson was, like, hot back in the day. Yeah. You know. He's no snake Pliskin. No, no, definitely not. Okay, these are others that were wanted by the studio when all of their, like, A options <laughs> fell through. Do you want to hear about some of their B options? Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. Actually, I can see that. I didn't know Tommy Lee Jones worked before Under Siege 2. <laughs> no, that, that, I can see Tommy Lee Jones in that. He's a good, he's yeah, a good action guy. I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. No. Huh? No, because I don't want to ravish him. You don't want to ravish Tommy Lee Jones? No. Oh. No. What if he grew a beard? No, definitely not. Oh. oh. Um, no, he's just, he just permanently looks like an uncle. Disappointed, fair, angry. Fair enough. His wife left him, drinks a lot, doesn't want to be at Christmas, uncle. You're the one person from Broken Hill that wouldn't have tested well in that audience. <laughs> Why don't you want to fuck him? Looks like my uncle. Everyone else just shuffles yeah, in their seat a little bit. Awkward. Oh, fucking hell, okay. <laughs> not supposed to fuck your uncle. I'm sorry, Whoa, sorry, uh, city uh, people. Fuck. Not fucking your uncle is wrong. I don't want to be right. <laughs> uh, okay, so Tommy Lee Jones. No, it didn't yeah. happen. The other ones the studios were considering. Chuck Norris. No. Chuck Norris. No. Rang it to the rescue. No. No. Rang it to the rescue. Fucking Snake Plissken cannot have high jeans. He would have just like ninja kicked. No. Everyone. Snake Plissken cannot have nut splitters. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have taken a gun. He would have lit. But there's a thing where you know a snake has to escape the chock full of nuts by you know climbing like down the jam pipe and then getting over the fence and in the windows. That was quite athletic. Yeah. Could Chuck Norris do that in those in those jeans? No, they're so tight. Way. Can no. they bend? Because he's he's got the he's got the nut splitters on. He's got fucking yeah. West Germany and East Germany nuts and balls and yeah. fucking dick one side yeah. nuts the other. Maybe no. he would just roundhouse kick the building down. That's maybe that's why he was Walk so fucking it. always trying to kick. He was trying to fucking give his nuts a fucking, give him a bit of a rest. Give him some blood. Get a bit of air up in there. Yeah. <laughs> just oh. nah. Fucking I don't know. I don't know how he ever made the fucking jump to leading man. I really don't. Oh my god, it's Chuck Norris. Yeah, he yeah. do karate kicks and shit, oh but he's god. fucking terrible. He's so American. Like every time he opens his mouth, an eagle. Just spontaneously near him. No. He's, he's so American that every time he opens his mouth, high fructose corn syrup is added to another food. <laughs> That's how American he That's is. That's the power of Chuck Norris, man. <laughs> That's the power of Chuck Norris. Fructose is in chicken now? What the fuck? What? All this that you're saying about Chuck Norris, there is just a Native American Indian just man just crying right now somewhere. Okay, so if it, if it led to extra work for Native Americans mm. who would fucking really not appreciate the irony of having to be on Manhattan... <laughs> Then, yeah. <laughs> Chuck Norris. Yeah. So, Chuck Norris. The studio even, at one stage, were pushing for the then 60-year-old Charles 
Bronson. What? No. At 60. Because of Death Wish. Yeah, he was great, man. But fuck no. Like, he was not Snake Plissken. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Can we talk about Charles Bronson? Call me Snake. It just wouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah, just done it. Oh. And again, near the end at 60, he had that weird yeah. moustache as well. Yeah, it's all grey and like his... Wow. Charles Bronson in The Magnificent Seven. Oh, have you seen the have you seen the photos of him on the set where he's like getting around with that beret on? And- oh, you, and by beret, you mean my pussy. <laughs> just wearing it like a fucking... He would could just wear it like, like a, a hat. Like a cozy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Magnificent Seven, Charles Bronson. One size fits all is the one hat that fits him. When they come around the back and he's like just chopping that wood. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fuck. And you think I'm weird for liking the cake bit in Under Siege? No, there's nothing wrong with liking that. I'm just saying she's a bit flat. She's a bit flat. She's like fucking huge. She's not. She's I think it's your adolescence talking. You were a very confused young boy. I wasn't confused. I was locked out of the system, damn it. <laughs> I didn't know the combination. <laughs> oh, okay. This is why you don't get to make decisions. <laughs> okay, so Charles Bronson. No. Yeah. But... Carpenter kept fighting for the then 29-year-old Kurt Russell. Wow, okay. I can't believe Kurt Russell was ever 29. I know. Luckily, producer Deborah Hill also came on board with the idea of Kurt Russell. Awesome. I think she just she saw him and went, yeah. damn, I'm yeah. in. Now, the role of Brains was actually meant to be played by Warren Oates who is probably best known as part of the Wild Bunch. I was going to say Hall and Oates. <laughs> <laughs> what are they stacking this thing with singers? What the fuck? Very different Chris film. Chris Christopherson, Hall and Oates. <laughs> Here comes Cameo. <laughs> oh, my God. Who just woke up? You're out of touch. No, not that Oates. Um, he's the, from the Wild Bunch, the one with the uh, like curlier hair of the Wild oh, Bunch. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, but he pulled out last minute due to sickness and he actually recommended his good friend, Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, who jumped at the spot um, and, you know, came on board with very short notice. Yeah. Now, the thing is, Oates pulled out, it says because of sickness, but it was because he was experiencing chest pains. Okay. Okay. Warren Oates, in total, would have six months, six Months of chest pains and refused to see a doctor for every day of those six months. And then what do you know? The end of the six months, died of a heart attack. Ah, you can't blame him. It's the old saying, six months of pain, eh, six (laughs) months in a day, you're dead. That's how men lived. No. Oh, my. Yeah. I know. Oh, my. God. I just have a feeling it was like God's just like, oh, I'll just give him a little hint. He's got to, you know, take care of his heart. Just give him a little, oh, oh, he's going to feel that. He's going to see the doctor tomorrow. I'm going to know about it. Gets up. Oh, he's not, he's not going to the doctor. That's all right. I'll just, I'll just give him a little, I'll just give him a little, oh, oh, get him to, after six months, dog was, God was just like, oh, fuck yeah. Let's just push the you. button on him. Yeah. <laughs> You're done. I can't do any more with this bullshit. Six months. Six months. You know what? If you are experiencing chest pain and yeah. you have been for five months and three weeks, <laughs> go see a doctor. Yeah. Or if you're in America and you're experiencing that, get in a car, go to Mexico or Canada, and go see, see a, a doctor. doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bye. Get an abortion while you're there. <laughs> 
Treat yourself. <laughs> treat yourself. I'm going to fucking. I'm going to Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. Okay. Now one of the other roles. Okay, Cabby, famously played by Ernest Mornine. Yep. Okay. Guess who? Someone. We don't know who. It just says someone because obviously now no one wants <laughs> no to, one up wants to, to put it. their name to it. Someone oh. was pushing. Go and have a guess. Who do you think? Who do you think they were pushing for? <laughs> okay, so it's someone who's similar in like. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's got to be one of two people. Okay, Richard Attenborough. Uh huh. Or Mickey Rooney. <laughs> It's Mickey Rooney. Yes, that's so good. <laughs> Mickey Rooney is cabby. Although there is like, they, there's no word if he would be like playing it in an awkward um, and, you know, racist sort of inappropriate yellow face. <laughs> I'm not sure if he would be doing it with a fake Asian accent. Well, that was in his contract. He's just like, I want to play every character I do, like Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. Like, aren't you going to be Santa in this one? Yes, I am. You want Christmas present? Yeah, just like, oh my God. Oh, Jesus. Oh my God, Mickey's, Mickey's at it again. Oh, uh, no. oh, God. Have we checked in for dementia? Is this dementia? I don't like it. This dementia is very racist. Oh, well, you go, Snake. You can't go downtown. Oh, God. Uh, just, can we, can we maybe ixnay? <laughs> oh, you know Dookie A number one. You know there is someone in like the 70s, like in an office just sitting around going, wow, this will really work. We, will work. We, can, we can include the Asian markets now. Oh, my God. Oh, this will sell out in China. Oh. Look, we've included. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. That's just, that's what I can't understand why people keep going on about how awesome that film is. That film is not, that film is completely shit. And, and that bitch just pisses off. She just fucks off and leaves her cat. She just dumps her cat in an alleyway. What a bitch. <laughs> and Mickey Rooney was so method he ate it. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the casual racism. You know there's food at the craft tibities. tables here, Mr. Rooney. It's a well-funded production. No, I eat cat. I'm character. <laughs> Fuck Rooney. Holy shit. Somebody stop him. There's an actual fucking Chinese person who doing the craft service just like, what the fuck is Mr. Uh, Rooney doing? This is such a stereotype, Mr. <laughs> Rooney. We don't all talk about that. Don't you tell me my role. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to see that appear at the start of one of those old pictures where they had like stereoscope. <gasps> just, this, this film is made with stereotypes. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> in the 50s, this film is made with Racism! <laughs> Racovision! <laughs> Invisible to in- unintelligent blacks. Oh my god. Yeah, that is literally. Yeah. Yeah. So thankfully, Mickey Rourke was not put Mickey in Rooney. escape. Mickey, Mickey Rourke Rooney. would have been good. <laughs> no, Mickey Rooney was yeah. not uh, in Escape from New York. Oh god. <laughs> One person who did make it into the film, however, was Kurt Russell's then wife. Bam. Season Hubley. Now, this was Season. She was also uh, an actor. This was her first role after giving birth to their son, Boston Russell. Um, for those who don't know her in the movie, uh, she is the gang groupie in the Chuck Full of Nuts uh, store where she yeah. gets pulled down by the crazies. Yeah, the crazies suck her through the floor. Yeah. I think 100% this is you in the apocalypse. Because, yeah, she's a groupie and she wants to fuck powerful... Yeah, of course it is. She's just going to suck dick to get by. Jokes aren't going to fucking pay the bills in the apocalypse. (laughs) They don't pay them now. (laughs) 
this is 100% you. It's yeah. like, hey, hey, hey you, want, you want me to suck your dick? Yeah, sure, totally. Yeah. Trade you for some rabbit flesh. <laughs> that will be currency then. Bitcoin, fuck off. <laughs> now, Kurt Russell described his wife's character by saying, as <coughs> a quote, <laughs> trying to do my Kurt Russell. Yeah. Season was was betraying what would be known as a crime groupie. <laughs> the crime groupie is the really hip thing to be in 1997. Just like Mick Jagger, our original concept was to have her wear a t-shirt covered with the names of criminals. <laughs> the only one not crossed off was going to be Snake Bliss. <laughs> Oh, does, sla- does Snake do sloppy seconds? That's what I want to know. That is literally you with the apocalypse. <laughs> you were doing first, second, thirds, fourths, fifths. Oh. And in that world, though, you can understand why Isaac, Hay was, Isaac Hayes was number one. <laughs> oh, those ladies. Now, another bit of trivia. Did you know that there is actually the son of an actual American president? In the scenes on Air Force One. Oh, it's got to be George W. Bush. It's got to be him. Back when he was a coke-addled baseball team owner. <laughs> no, at the beginning of the film, you see there's a Secret Service agent who's really awkwardly holding like an M14 rifle um, who attempts to break down the door of the cockpit Oh, the, the shittiest extra work of all time. Yeah, yeah, shittiest <laughs> yeah. guy. Like, don't hurt the set. Boop. 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 I'm going to boop my way in. I, I put my, everything into it. What are you going to do when you get in? I'm going to get his nose. Yeah, boop. Well, that is actually Stephen Ford, son of former president Gerald Ford. There you go. Just randomly. A little <laughs> bit of political commentary, I think. The two people that are getting laid out of this film, Stephen Ford <laughs> and the original Snake Plissken. Oh, and okay, here's another one for you. For those... You know the voice that does the narration at the beginning of the voice at the film, the female voice? Oh, the computer voice? Yeah. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, when they listen to that voice, they go, oh my God, I know that voice. I know that voice, but they just can't pick it because it's actually uncredited in the movie. But who do you think is actually providing that female voice? If it's uncredited, it's probably a Mexican day labourer. It's actually um, a well-established famous American actress. Okay. Oh, okay. Let me let me think. Mm-hmm. From that era. It's got to be um oh fucking What's her name? She was in Taxi Driver. Uh Oh, um Jodie Foster? Not Jodie Foster, no. Although that's a good one. Actually, yeah, it kind of sounds a bit teenagey like her. No, I'm thinking Sybil Shepherd. Ah, oh, no. Oh. Not even close. Oh. Not even remarkably close. Have another shot. Jodie Foster? No, oh, god. I can't talk to you. You shit at this game. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. Get fucked. John Carpenter, like, integral part. His muse? Yeah. Wow. John Car- it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Go back and watch that film and now you'll hear it. You'll be like, oh my God, how did I not pick that straight oh, that's away? that's amazing. Well, there's sultry tones. I've got to admit, I've never really been subjected to her sultry tones. There's too much other stuff going on there. <laughs> oh, Holy Jesus, true lies. Yeah, what? Oh, really. <laughs> Hello. Any confusion I had about my sexuality ended that day. I Well. I, Still would. I th- yeah, for a lot of men. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. So, yeah, that was Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, now, another thing is, if you remember at the beginning of the film, you see there's a helicopter sort of flying, you know, past New York. It's yeah. a matte painting. There's a few matte paintings in this film. Yeah. 
The matte paintings are interesting because do you know who actually painted those matte paintings? I do know this one. <gasps> who was it? It was James Cameron. <gasps> James Avatar Cameron. Yes. Yeah. So he cut his teeth driving trucks and doing matte paintings. <laughs> Well, because at the time he was working for New World Pictures, which was owned by Roger Corman. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know he owned them. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so uh, uh, James Cameron would use a lot of the techniques that he learned. Because obviously, you know, with Roger Corman, there are a lot of low-budget films. Yeah. It's usually Apocalypse, Edge of the World. Yeah. You really had to stretch your dollar far. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's like you see a lot of stuff. There's stuff in Terminator and Aliens specifically where Carpenter, uh, uh, sorry, Cameron was actually able to stretch out the effects budget so much by using um, certain cheats that he actually learnt while working for Roger Corbett. That's awesome. Which we'll go into them at a later stage because obviously we'll do James Cameron and we'll do uh, Aliens. Yeah. But yeah, basically how to just like expand your budget. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. See, people shit on bloody Roger Corman. Nah, he's great. Yeah, he did a lot for film. Now, one of the other, uh, my favourite 80s effects cheat is in this film. Now, in near the beginning of the film where you actually see Snake is flying his glider into New York City. Yeah. And it shows what is supposed to be the console in the glider. Um, and you actually see it's called wire-framed. Uh, yeah, the old, the old, the old wireframed um, vector graphics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, now that technology did exist at the time to yeah. create those effects, but okay, this is the time where like computers were still the size of small cars. Um, you yeah. Know, effects were really expensive, and this was a, a like a, it was still a small budget film, and they just didn't have the money to put those computer graphics in. Yeah. So uh, what do we do? We've got to improvise. Well, the special effects people, yeah, uh, because they'd actually constructed a set of New York City, like a small scale model. Like a miniature. Yeah, miniature model that they actually used for some earlier filming. Right. What they actually did was they took this model, they painted it jet black, yeah. went down to the hardware store, spent $5 on a roll of green tape. No way. And then came back and meticulously just laid out, cut this green tape and applied it in grid lines all over the models and around like the top of the the edges of the building, turned off all the lights, Uh put on a UV light Uh and then basically just moved a camera through the model. That's amazing. So, yeah, that's the pictures there where you look at them. They actually look like computer graphics. That's amazing. No, that's literally green tape on a miniature model. Yeah. You can tell that this wasn't a Weinstein film because there would have been a lot more jizz under that light. <laughs> yeah, wow. why? Why are we blinded? That's incredible. I wondered how they did that because, it, like, I loved the effect. Yeah. At the time, like, it seemed like it still. I fucking had no idea that sticky tape. Yeah, it's it's literally just black paint and tape and a That's UV light. Amazing. I know it's absolutely amazing. Wow. So, and I mean, they easily saved like fifty thousand dollars for yeah. the budget. You know, when you're on a budget that's, you know, somewhere between three hundred to $500,000. Yeah. That's such a cool fucking hack. I know. Oh, my God. I love it. So, the big question is, so where exactly in New York was Escape from New York filmed? What year was it filmed? Uh, we're talking the early 80s. So, so like 1980. So, that's, that's kind of like when Donald Trump made all his money basically buying up neighbourhoods that were, well, full of black people who weren't imprisoned. 
mm-hmm. so far. So I'm guessing I'm guessing like sort of Harlem, Brooklyn, all those kind of birth of hip hop places that were getting bombed out and burned by the mafia and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So yeah, like maybe the Bronx. Maybe the Bronx. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, except for a couple of shots that were actually filmed on Liberty Island. Because, yeah, you can't fake the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most of the film was shot in Illinois. Illinois? Illinois. The problem was it's almost impossible to make your New York City appear deserted. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> it's just, it's the city that never sleeps. Yeah. It was almost impossible. Um, someone at the studio suggested that they shoot on a lot. This was shot down because they're like, it's just going to look too fake. You're yeah. going to know straight away. It's not going to work. It looked like fucking Sesame film. Street, yeah. So Barry Bernardi, who was an associate producer and location manager, he got the dubious honour of an all-expenses-paid trip around America <laughs> woo, to find the worst-looking city. <laughs> In America. Well, thankfully, there's a hell of a lot of prejudice. So you're just going, I'm going to either fucking Maryland (laughs) or I'm going to post-industrial Detroit. Well, he actually came back with abandoned derelict gold, East St. Louis, Illinois. Okay. There had been a massive fire in 1976 that had destroyed city block after city block. And any businesses that had escaped the fire had simply closed as just as the area shut down. So there was just no one there. There was no money to rebuild it. Yeah, right. Um, Deborah Hill remembers that there was just, quote, block after block was burnt out rubble. In some places, there was absolutely nothing so that you could see three and four blocks away. Now, some places may not be too excited to be seen as a future prisonscape. (laughs) No. But this was a film with a budget. And it had a crew of 180 unionised workers who were going to be working on a three-month filming schedule. The city was ready to be called by whatever name Carpenter wanted to call it. Oh, no. This is a city that's on OnlyFans. It's (laughs) desperate. (laughs) It was so desperate. You can put cigarettes out on me, but only on my my bad tip. (laughs) Not my good tip. Not my my party tip. Saving it. Years down the one. The city was so desperate. They actually sold. They sold John Carpenter a bridge. Okay. A whole entire bridge for a dollar. That's amazing. The old chain of rocks bridge, it stood in for the 59th Street Bridge uh, near the end of the film. No, they actually sold it to him uh, for a dollar. There you go. It's all yours. Have at it. Carpenter was nice enough to sell it back to the city at the end of filming for one dollar. Oh, good on you, John Carpenter. He's a gentleman. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Carpenter noted at the time, he's like, yeah, like we know it seems like the city was being really nice to us. (sighs) But in hindsight, by selling it to us, what they were basically saying was, if this falls down and kills you all, we're not responsible. Uh, low budget filmmaking, we've all done some dumb shit. <laughs> so it's not out, you own it, you know, you own it, your responsibility for maintenance. Uh, but luckily it was still standing at the end. Oh my God. Would you believe he also convinced the city to turn off all of the lights? Okay. Okay. Including streetlights 
to 10 blocks at night. Wow. Whilst they shot the film from August to November. Fuck. That's a long time for that shit to happen. 10 city blocks. <laughs> and and these were all night, night shoots. Yeah. And they would go all night. John Carpenter recalls, quote, We'd finish shooting at about 6 a.m. And I'd just be going to sleep at 7 when the sun would be coming up. I'd wake up around 5 or 6 p.m., depending or not whether we had dailies. And by the time I got going, the sun would be setting. So for about two and a half months, I never saw daylight. Which was very strange. That's that's going to lead to some bleak filmmaking. <laughs> and after some of these, and obviously some nights just were longer than others. Yeah. And Kurt Russell remembers that, you know, a couple of times he was so tired, he literally just went straight from the set in his Snake Plissken gear. Yeah. Just, you know, straight home, you know, to where they were staying. Yeah. And the thing is, so he would get home just in time as the baby was waking up. Oh, yeah. So he remembers on more than like one occasion, you know, just at dawn, he was Snake Plissken just sitting with a newborn baby in a rocking chair. <laughs> just like feeding, you know, feeding the baby so his wife could have a bit of a sleep in. Go to sleep. Yes. That's very cool. Can you imagine being rocked to sleep by Snake Plissken? For baby's first words, Dad, call me Snake. <laughs> he comes home one day, he's just drawing a little snake on oh. his tummy. Oh, just like Dad. Oh, Lord. Now, while we are talking about Snake Plissken, yeah. can we talk about the Snake Plissken costume? It's amazing. Woo! It's a manly costume. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, it's what a man wears to prison. <laughs> it was designed by the former costumer for Elton John. He clearly ran out of feathers. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about, oh my God. So the man who dressed Elton John dressed <laughs> Snake Plissken. That's amazing. The manliest. See, so that's it. Job, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. You know, you can't say that... Um, Elton John wasn't manly. Because you've got to be fucking brave to wear that shit at a baseball stadium. <laughs> Look, that is very true. Yeah. That is very true. He also did um, uh, costumes for Stevie Wonder, which I think is a bit of an easier gig. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> Trust me, you look great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are all new clothes, I swear. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, that was uh, hats off to Steve Loomis for that. That's amazing. Uh <laughs> It was this weird combination. It was a bit with his long hair. It was a bit wild. Yeah. You know, for the 80s, men didn't have slightly longer hair. No. This could be why in 1980, Circus Magazine described Snake as... <clears throat> there was a Circus Magazine? Yes. Okay. Pliskin, who looks like a cross between Adam Ant and Clint Eastwood. Stalks criminals on the deadly, blighted streets of Lower Manhattan. Do you think that comparison has ever been made before? I'm just fucking glad they didn't say he looks like the cross between Clint Eastwood and Gary Glitter. <laughs> oh, that is not suitable for uh, people. Why are you in prison, Snake? I robbed a bank. <laughs> it was a child casino, all right? Uh, in Thailand. <laughs> Now, the iconic eye patch yeah. worn by Snake was, in fact, a last-minute decision 
by Kurt Russell. He didn't even tell the director. He just popped it on at the last second before shooting began on his first scene. What a gentleman. Thankfully, Carpenter liked the look and let Russell run with it. Although, ironically, Russell was forced to remove it in between takes as it affected his depth perception so much. (laughs) And there are actually scenes that had to be reshot just because his depth perception was so out. He would, like, go to reach for something and just be like... "Ah," (laughs) Or just accidentally hit someone in the face. Because it just had no depth perception. Oh. What, um, that, what, a, what a gentler time, though, when that was your idea of like really getting into character and making it your own. Not like doing a Jared Leto and filing your teeth down to nubs and oh, tattooing po- your fucking eyeballs and, and shit. posting like. excrement to your crewmates. No, well, you know what? I'm going to pop on an eye patch. Yeah, pop on an eye patch. I'm a pirate now. <laughs> Yar. Oh my god. So you can do that without sending a pig's head in a bucket of fucking monkey jizz. Yeah, exactly. Uh oh my god. But can I say, because the last Halloween before sort of COVID really spread around the world. Yeah. Um, because I had my Halloween party and the theme was Apocalypse. Yep. And I actually went as Snake Pliskin nice. to my own party. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so much fun. But yeah, so I obviously I had to, I committed, I put the eye patch on, and I can agree, I actually accidentally punched a friend of mine in the dick because my depth perception. You're gonna blame depth perception with your alcoholism. No, he started it. Like he was like, Oh, it'll be funny, like I'll flicker, like I'm gonna like, you know, flicker in like her badge. Like, ha. So I went to do it like punch him, like punch his thigh. Yeah. But because of my depth perception, I thought I was punching him in the thigh. I literally just took out his dick. Just pow. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Again, you bring Jim Beam to my house every week and you want me to believe that it was an eye patch. That's not true. Sometimes I bring wine. (laughs) Because I'm classy. Yes. Classist. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the other truly iconic actor in this film... Isaac Hayes? Lee Van Cleef. Oh... We cannot forget Lee Van Cleef. He, of course, is the bad in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. Oh, he is just so good in this movie. Would you believe this is going to freak you out? Yeah. All of his scenes, his entire, every single bit of him, every bit of the movie. He's like the first five minutes of the film. Shot in one night. Get fucked. One Night. And you know why? Why? Because that's all they can afford. Oh, wow. Lee Van Cleef charges by the hour. <laughs> Holy shit. Put a coin in that bed. <laughs> they could and he was like one of their like big ticket item yeah. expenses on the film. Yeah, yeah. Because and it's interesting because Carpenter himself is actually obsessed with westerns. Yeah. Like oh, he you can loves tell. westerns. You can tell. And he often refers to Escape from New York as a western. Fucking oath it's a western. Yeah. Yeah. So Lee Van Cleef was his fancy big ticket item. He was the T Rex in this situation. Yeah. But all they could afford was a day. And the problem was was that um, he'd actually like busted his knee like just before filming, oh, so he yeah. was in a really bad mood. So oh. he was not hanging around. Oh, that's perfect for leaving Cleef, though. Oh my god! So he literally, basically, flew in from Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay, went straight to the set. They recorded all of his scenes all night. The sun came up. He got on a plane, flew the fuck back home. <laughs> like so, pretty much was amazing. In the, was in the city for like less than twenty four hours. It's fantastic. That's so good. 
unless you're John Carpenter and that night you go to see some of your dailies and you find out that some of Lee Van Cleef's um, scenes are out of focus. Oh, fuck. No. Out of this, because this is back in the day when there was just some yeah. poor guy who had to manually, yeah, you know, yeah. sitting there with a fucking focus pull. Yeah, um, yeah, out of focus. <laughs> oh no! And they could not afford to get him back oh. for another day. Where'd you get the eye patch from, Kurt? <laughs> from the focus puller? <laughs> Damn it! Fuck! Oh my lord! So they just had to carry on they with do. what they had, but thankfully Lee Van Cleef is so awesome. He's nailed it. Yeah, just nailed it. You don't need a second take. That is for like men who aren't men. Yeah. Escape from New York, definitely yeah. a Western. Yeah. Do you know what the other film is that I think no one appreciates is a Western? Mm. Boys in the Hood. Oh. That is 100% a spaghetti Western set in South Central LA. It's been so long since I've seen that. Watch it again. It's amazing. And you'll just watch it. You just go, I need to hear Ennio Morricone to this instead of hip hop. Oh, it's okay. 100% a Western. Okay. All right. I'll go back and do that. Um, so, yeah. Lee Van Cleef. Oh, my God. I love him so much in this yeah, movie. Amazing. Like, oh, there's, there's just so many things in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And that is one of them. Uh, now, so the film carries on uh, regardless. The production design department helped to recreate the atmosphere of New York 1997. We've got the urine you ordered. <laughs> pretty much. They pretty much took several dump trucks to the local landfill and filled them up. They filled them with old refrigerators, bits of broken cars, a broken boxes, broken TV sets, drove them back to the areas where they were filming and literally just dumped them on the street. Voila! New York! New York! It's a wonderful town! That's pretty fucking... Imagine being like a New Yorker and just saying that, like, recreate my city. And they're just like, okay, we're going to go to the tip. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, how do you think I feel? Like, I, I grew up in, like, Broken Hill. Yeah. Like, he was like, hmm, we need somewhere that looks like, you know, somewhere that's, you know, been affected by a nuclear apocalypse that is now is like an unforgivable wasteland of death and destruction. Oh, my God, have you been to Broken Hill? <laughs> oh, Lord. Just me on the edge of town with a chapstick. <sighs> Getting ready for my right <laughs> roll in the apocalypse. I don't care if you can synthesise petrol. Can you make a chapstick? I will need it. <laughs> it would have been a very different film. It just would have been you on the side of that tanker by the side of the road, just on your knees with your <laughs> lip balm and that tube. <laughs> No more angry marauders. They're all blissed out. Just all napping. Yep. A lot of napping and pizza eating. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, they they went, they got the, the rubbish, they dumped it on the streets to do their filming. You know, the city's like, oh, okay, I understand. You want to make it look like New York? New York, that's all right. Although the production never actually told them that they were also going to... You know, just a small print. We're, we're actually going to dump an aircraft um, onto the city streets. I hope that's okay. Okay, bye! It bye, really actually, is what? New York. What are you, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, my God, that's so wrong. 
Oh, oh please, this is the cancel us episode. <laughs> Writing oh. Nazi Fanta commercials where the guard looks at his five stolen watches. It's Fanta time. <laughs> uh, and 9-11 gags. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Well, yeah, that's... that's because yeah, the, 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 the well, the integral part of like the escape from New York is yeah, the it's all based towers. on the twin towers. Yeah, and a plane that lands on it. <laughs> You've looked that up in real life. Oh my god, you think this? It, the whole thing we got it wrong. It wasn't a terrorist attack. It was just escape from New York cosplay <laughs> that just went terribly, terribly wrong. I'm just gonna land on the roof. It'll be great. Fuck. <laughs> These terrorists with their eye patches. <laughs> Outside, trying to open the door. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, fuck. eye patches there. <laughs> oh, cosplay led to the war on terror. Well, just a terrible misunderstanding. <laughs> You've just got a Hollywood casting agent over in Iraq just going, sorry about Fallujah. Yeah, sorry. Some guys from over there really liked a John Carpenter film. I'm <laughs> just really big Lee Van Cleef fans. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <sighs> Can you think? Oh my god. Maybe if Nick Nolte had been cast, it would never have happened. Because it would never have become a cult oh, film. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh. Go back in time, back recast time, it. Back time. Just do shit casting that wouldn't have led to the bad cosplay that led to that. <laughs> oh no. Uh. Oh lord. <laughs> Yeah, uh, obviously no one mentioned that that would be happening. <laughs> so <laughs> what they'd actually done was the film had actually, uh, they'd gone to the, an old airplane graveyard and they'd purchased an old plane from an airplane graveyard. Yeah. And they'd chopped it up into giant pieces and they actually brought in three giant pieces on trucks. Yeah. They then literally just dumped. That's amazing. On the streets of Illinois. Shot the scenes and then very quickly put them back on the tracks and got them the fuck out of there. <laughs> Can you imagine being the permit guy? Because they they like they had permits for like refrigerator, you know, just to do the general stuff. Yeah. They had no permit for a fucking airplane. Wow! Imagine if they brought that over the bridge and that's what made it fall. <laughs> Fuck. Can you imagine being the poor bastard who's just there to be like, can I, can I see your permit? Is that a plane? <laughs> Is that a... No, oh, it's a fridge. <laughs> Very big fridge. Luxury fridge. Like they have in Manhattan. Huge. <laughs> it's a street fridge. <laughs> and, and it runs on fire. Yes, absolutely. Oh, Lord. Now, the other thing is... Uh, a bit of famous, you can actually go see some of the stuff that you see in Escape from New York to this day. Really? D- did you know the fight scene in the boxing ring is actually filmed inside the St. Louis Union train station? There you go. And it was run down, I would say, <laughs> rather dilapidate, dilapid, dilapidated. dilapidated at yeah. the time. And it would actually be another seven years after they shot there before it actually got a makeover. Wow. Um, But if you look closely at the film, you can actually see in the background there is a stained glass window. Yep. 
they actually kept the stained glass window and that is actually there to this day above the front entry into the Grand Hall. Cool. So if you're going to Illinois, pop past the train station, you can see a little bit of film history. Oh, there you go. The plane's been taken away. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Now, there are two other bits of trivia that I found while researching Escape from New York. Yep. Now, you know, kind of, uh, you know, facts on their own. But when you put them together one after, it kind of affects one affects the other. Okay. Okay. Now, we'll just start with the first one. Okay. Did you know Donald Pleasance was actually legitimately a prisoner of war? What, really? In World War Two, Prisoner of war for fucking Nazis. Jesus. Yeah. Fanta drinking Nazis. Held Donald Pleasance. There you it's go. It's true. Actually, it's so weird. In 1939, he was uh, conscripted. Yeah. But he was a conscientious objector. Yeah. So he didn't go to the war. That was until 1940 um, after they basically the aerial raids started bombing London. Yeah. And then he was like, you damn dirty Nazis. Yeah, that, that kind of galvanised the British people yeah. somewhat. And so, you know, that put, you know, he gets stuffed. So that pissed him off. Yeah. So he went and actually joined the English Royal Air Force. Yep, yep. And he actually became a wireless radio operator. Okay, yep. Flew in almost 60 raids. Holy fuck. 60. Like when you had it, like you had a life expectancy of what? Like 20 minutes? It was like four raids most. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, almost 60 raids. And wow. then his plane was shot down. Yep. And he was captured and basically spent the rest of the war in a like a Nazi war camp. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. It's just like, holy shit. So it was so weird because basically all someone took from that observation was that he used this to draw on for his experience of being captured. Oh my God. By Isaac Hayes. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure it's really the same, but <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah. He's How sure. fucking triggering for the poor guy. Now you're going to be on a plane that gets shot down. <laughs> oh, what? And then you're taken captive Holy and God. held hostage. Yeah. Okay, bear that in mind while yeah. he's having flashbacks. Because the second bit of trivia is, if you remember this happens in the film, there's a bit where when they find the president, yeah. someone has placed a long, blonde, sexy wig on him. Yeah, the, the humiliation of the president, yeah. Uh, that was Donald Pleasance's idea. What did those goddamn Nazis do to him? Holy shit. What were the Nazis doing to Donald Pleasance in that war camp? Drinking Fanta and obviously musical theatre. Musical theatre or perhaps they were doing some extraordinary trans research. (laughs) You will live as a woman. (laughs) Holy shit. Just suddenly J.K. Rowling gets offended by the Nazis. (laughs) Put a wig on him now. Let's turn that frown into a frownine. So, yeah, I just find it very interesting that... Uh, that was his idea. Yeah. Wow. Y- you know what they would do to a prisoner of war, so I heard? Put a lovely little wig on him. And then fuck them. <laughs> oh, lordy. Uh. Oh, see, you just, you're dark. You're very dark, aren't you? Oh, I'm sorry for presuming the worst of the Nazis. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You just you just don't give anyone the benefit of the doubt, do you? Oh, no. 
Just, they're just standing around just trying to drink some Fanta. Looking at their five watches. Oh, it's Fanta time. <laughs> oh, picking their teeth, all 5,000 of them. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting cancelled with this episode. What? We're making fun of Nazis. <coughs> that is true. They're shit. They did shit things. <laughs> Including putting a wig on Donald Pleasance. Let's just add that to the list. Put that on the Auschwitz Museum. Reasons why Nazis are shit. It's just, we're running out of paper, but you've got to find room for put a wig, a wig on, on Donald, Donald Pleasance. <laughs> oh, oh my shit. God. Does your cruelty know no end? <laughs> Fuck. Fucking Nazis. Oh, <sighs> now, <laughs> we'll move on before we get cancelled again. Yeah. We have to talk about the most glorious piece of trivia that's ever been trivialized. Okay. Okay. Kurt Russell's stuntman. Okay. More importantly, the name of Kurt Russell's stuntman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the name. What do you What do you think? Come on. It's It's nineteen eighty. Uh, come on, manly name. Oh. What do you think is the most? This is the most manliest name that's ever been made. Oh. TJ Thunderpants. Because they always had like a TJ or an AJ or something like that. Sounds like a really bad stripper. It does, yeah. (laughs) It's just in a John Waters film. (laughs) She comes out in denim and she's still a little bit nervous, so she may or may not queef in your face. (laughs) Hey, they pay extra for that in some countries. Okay. Kurt Russell's stuntman. Yeah. In Escape from New York. Yeah. His name is Dick Warlock. Yes. Let me say that again. <laughs> For anyone who was like, I'm sorry, what? What? His name is Dick Warlock. Or oh, penis magic to his fans. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Dick Warlock. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Can you, and that's, that's his actual name. That's on his driver's license. Dick Warlock. That's so good. Dick Warlock. He must have been like the biggest Kiss fan and he just changed it. No, that was his his birth. That that was was his his name, Dick Warlock. Wow. And his sister, Pussy Witch. (laughs) You just imagine John Carpenter has like cast the film already. He's like, I want someone to have a badass name, Snake Poliskin. It's like, who are we going to get to stand in for him? Dick Warlock. What? Oh, God. Oh, God damn it. Fuck, he could have been called Dick Warlock. We've already like printed up the posters. (laughs) Call me Dick. Warlock. How is there not like another like you know? How is Dick Warlock the not hero or something? I don't know. Like it's literally the most manliest name ever. I dare say he's been the hero of a few fucking very low rent women at a couple of comic cons. <laughs> uh, see, I have this idea that like when uh, Kurt Russell was getting ready for Bulletproof, he was just chattering. <laughs> Dick Warlock. You mean death proof? Death proof. What did I say? Bulletproof. Oh, bulletproof. <laughs> I thought I said dick proof. Oh, no. No one's, no one's dick proof. Nobody is dick proof. No. Oh Spatial awareness and fucking depth perception or not. Something's getting in. Dick Warlock. That's, yeah. That's such. Oh, my God. But that's a heavy burden of a name to have. Like, it that's really such is. a tough guy name. You could only be a stuntman with that name. Yeah. You can't be a high school teacher with that name. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, can you imagine if you're a high school teacher and your name was Dick Warlock? Definitely Jim. 
You're not teaching maths with that shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's magic. Let me impress you with my dick warlock magic. What? I'm sorry. I'm 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 fired. Oh. Possible charges, fair enough. All I said, yeah, I get it. Oh lord. No, seriously, just manliest name ever. That is the manliest name ever. And would actually go on to be Kurt Russell's stuntman for the next 25 years. Oh, that's amazing. Uh-huh. So when you are sitting enjoying um, a Kurt Russell film and you see Kurt Russell, that's Dick Warlock. Wow. You know what? He doesn't even have to touch the window. He just, as he's about to go, he just says his name, Dick Warlock. And the manliness just yeah. blows out the window. <laughs> Windows of vaginas. It's like a carry-on film. Women pants just fall. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did I, that just dissolves belts. Yeah. Oh my god. It's just the concussion. If you just hear, tick wall, like it's like coffee cups drop, panties explode, vaginas. Oh my god. I'm wet. <laughs> How? Magic baby. Tick warlock. <laughs> Oh, my God. Seriously, how he is not a superstar, I don't know. I don't know either. He would also go on to play Michael Myers in Halloween 2. Really? Mm-hmm. There you go. Now, Escape from New York actually started with a completely different beginning. It actually started with Snake robbing the Federal Reserve... What? The one where brains ditch them so they can't get away that he's actually caught and imprisoned for. Yeah. That was actually all shot, okay, and was put together and it's scored. That's why when you, if you look at the soundtrack, I think it's like track two, it says the bank robbery. Yeah. Filmed, shot, scored. But when it was actually shown to test audiences, um, audiences just found it like just long and confusing and they're like, wait, what? Yeah. So test audiences just... Didn't like it. So it was just cut out of the film. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I wonder Uh, if it's sitting around somewhere you can find it. I know. Oh, well, actually, it's... um, They actually thought that the original... Like, the original um, film had been lost. Yeah. And it actually was lost uh, for a while. Like, nobody could find it. It it disappeared. And then, mysteriously, someone on the... I think it was the MGM lot. um, Someone was, like, just rummaging through a cupboard one day. And it's like, oh, what is this thing pushed to the back with no name and no label? Turns out Escape from New York had been missing for, like, two years. Wow. Yeah. Just accidentally got lost. That's so cool. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the bank robbery was uh, cut. Another little bit of interesting trivia. Yeah. In the ending credits, uh, you can have a look for it. You can decide which which one it is. Yeah. Mention is given to a certain strip club in St. Louis that was frequented by the cast and crew during their stay in St. Louis <sighs> and it was the favourite of all the cast and crew and were very obliging. So they closed down 10 city blocks but not the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bit of interesting trivia. I'm not saying if this is related or not, but you know where Lee Van Cleef actually comes into New York City at the beginning? Yes. After the plane crash. Um a lot of you see, like, all the uh, the guards that he's come in with. Yep. Actually all female extras. Could Are those related? Be? I don't know. Could they be? I'm, I'm not saying there is, but, you know. They Maybe. might have been under the... The spell of Dick Warlock. <laughs> the magical Warlock spell of Dick. <laughs> Lee Van Cleef turns up, you can hire me for one day. There's a whole bunch of sex workers. And <laughs> what do you think's going on? Maybe two. <laughs> 
But I mean, it's. Uh, but I mean, that's. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's a tale as old as time. I mean, that's what you do on low budget production. You know, films. Yeah. You basically just spend a huge chunk of what you have to try and get you know like a B grade celebrity yeah um you know just to try and be in your movie even if it's for like five minutes because then you can put them on the poster you know it'll draw people um yeah to your movie that's one of my that's one of my favorite stories of that's how um when guillermo um was back in uh was making his movies he did this really low budget movie and i've forgotten the name um it's clocks and there's a guy who's licking blood off a public toilet bathroom off the tiles. It's very disturbing. Is that a Guillermo del Toro movie or just a bad night out? <laughs> no, definitely a movie. <laughs> definitely a movie. Okay. And his B-grade actor, like he approached so many people. Everyone was like, piss off. Nobody wants to be in your like, no, you know, fucking shitty weird horror film. film. No, yeah. Yes. No one wanted to do it um, except uh, uh, Ron Perlman. Oh, of course. So Rod Perlman came down. He did it. His he did his day of shooting. At the end of the day, um, you know, Guillermo was you know like oh god, thank you, know, thank you for coming and everything, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, but he was a bit mm, he was a bit bummed out because they hadn't got all of the shots that they had wanted to get for the film. Yeah. But what what could they do? They could only afford it for Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman found out about this, and he's like, oh look. You know, no, nah, if it's for the movie, man. Like, no, nah, I said I'd, I'd like whatever. I was yeah. I was just gonna be lying by the pool anyway. <sighs> so Ron Perlman actually ended up working like another two days on the film. Oh, what a champ. Just to shoot all these other, not only the stuff that they hadn't got, but they also did some other stuff that was improvised for the film. Wow. Um, of course, like Guillermo, I love you forever. If you know, when I <laughs> if I ever become a big name, I'm gonna remember you. Yeah. Um, and of course, this is how Hellboy and their relationship happened. Wow. Because he was so nice that he just stuck around for a day. That's awesome. I know. And saved him from all those pretentious French movies. <laughs> well, it's like, um, you know, it's just because like you always hear all these, you know, stories of people being like real shitheads. Yeah. Sometimes there are some really nice people out oh, there. That's awesome. I know. That's why, I'm, and that's the other reason I was so shitted off that they didn't go ahead with the proper third Hellboy movie. Oh, I quite like David Arbor's Hellboy, but that's a conversation for another day. You disgust me. Yeah. You should be on your knees in an apocalypse. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, yeah, Escape from New York. Now, people to this day argue about what the budget is for Escape from New York. Yeah. And nobody wants to, like, put their finger down on what the definite budget was. Um, basically, we know that this is the largest budget that John Carpenter had worked with yeah. to this day. But a lot of his other, like, The Fog had a $300,000 budget. So that's not really saying much. Yeah. Uh, so basically, everything that I could see, everyone had a different opinion. Some people were saying it was closer to 300000 Some people were suggesting they had this weird wake of what they work out, how much it makes at the box office versus how much you put in, they yeah. think it should reflect. So those people argue that it should had a budget of $6 million. There's no way it had a budget of $6 million, like, back in the day. No. That was, yeah, no way. That was, yeah. Oh, could you imagine if it had that kind of money? Yeah, they could have uh, bought more sticky tape. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the budget was sort of back closer towards sort of the half a million. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been about $1.2, $1.5 million today, 
which is which is nothing Fucking nothing yeah for all the effects and everything that you get from that movie yeah. um now it was released on the 8th of October 1981 and made 9 million dollars in the US in its opening weekend holy shit would go on to make $25.2 million at box offices across the US and another $25 million at worldwide box offices. So it made over $50 million. So in today's terms, that's around $230 million. Wow. At initial box office. That's awesome. Yeah, for about a million, million and a half down. Wow. Now the movie poster... (laughs) does feature an image of a fallen Statue of Liberty, even though that's not in the film anywhere at any stage. No. Which is just bizarre. I think they were trying to be like, oh, how do we make it look... People realise it's New York. Oh, no. America's fallen. How do we show crippling healthcare and debt? Yeah. The statue's calm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In Italy, Snake Plissken was renamed Hyena. (laughs) Yes. How'd they explain his fucking tattoo? (laughs) Bad CGI for a little dog. Uh, And he was renamed Cobra in South Korea. Yes. In Germany... Oh, no. In Germany, the movie was released as... (coughs) Imagine popping down to the cinema. Yeah. I would like two tickets, please, to Die Klapperschlange. I got the out of it. Die Klapperschlange. Wow. Okay. Yep. Or the rattlesnake. Oh, nice. Even though he has a cobra <laughs> on him. Yeah. Randomly. Not that one. It's for his other rattlesnake. Yeah. Mind yeah. you, this, this was post-war Germany. You couldn't even mention the word escape. The Germans also used an older photo of Kurt Russell before he had bulked up for his role in the movie. (laughs) He is also wearing khaki pants instead of the zebra urban camo pants that he actually wears in the film. He is wearing the wrong boots, holding the wrong gun, weirdly wears a much larger eye patch and has a tattoo of a cobra, again, not a rattlesnake, but of a cobra on his arm. That's just weird. And they misspell his last name as Pleskin. <laughs> <laughs> so not a fucking... Because, oh my, because um, cause like I said, Kurt Russell wanted to change his image with this film. Yeah. And so he really worked out. Uh, I mean, it was, yeah. So, you, you know, it's before Schwarzenegger. Yeah, so he was 80s shredded. Yeah, 80s shredded. But you don't really appreciate it, I think, until... Um, there's a scene where he gets captured by the trains trying to rescue the president and then wakes up just before the boxing match and <laughs> and uh, his captors have mysteriously, for no reason named, just happened to have removed his shirt. Oh. Um, and then he has to just sort of like hobble out, you know, to the ring. And yeah. you're just like, damn. Yeah. Like he is. Oh. He was swole. Oh. Oh, it was not the only thing swole when that happened. Oh, oh my. Oh, can I tell you, one of my favourite bits of the film... Yeah. Okay. ...is when he comes in, you know, and he discovers the airplane at the beginning of the film, and the president yeah. is nowhere, and he's just like, ah. Oh. 
And you just see him, he just finds like that weird chair and then he pops the chair down and then he just gets there and he just like, ah, he flicks his hair back. Yeah. Like he's just like in like in a Pantene commercial and then just sits on that chair like he's that like chicky and flash dance. Oh my God, I have never seen anyone make look just sitting in a chair looking despondent so erotic. Oh my God. Growing up in Broken Hill, which is a desert, you must have wasted so much of your body's moisture. Oh. If you were wearing one of those dune still suits, you could watch one of those things and you'd hear it make like a toilet flushing sound. It would be recycling so much fluid from your body. Oh my Lord. Like a married with children scene. Honestly, no no man should make you aroused just from sitting on a chair. There you go. Well, Kurt Russell can. Oh, that is the power of Kurt Russell. Yep. Oh, Kurt Russell and Dick Warlock. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Then, because it's the 80s, in 1981, an Escape from New York board game was released for sale by TSR Incorporated. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> in which basically you just have these little bits of plastic. So not even like little novelty snakes or anything. Yeah. Um, but basically you've just got to like go around, roll the dice. You go to different locations around New York. You win cards that give you like cryptic answers. You've got to try to figure out where the president is. Right. And then when you get him, you have to rush with him and the cassette uh, to the bridge to get off the island. But as soon as everyone knows you've got the president and the tape, yeah. they like start coming for you. And then if they land on your square, it's a bit like Dungeons and Dragons. Like you roll your dice. And then if it's like, you know, if it's four or more, you stab him. If it's less, ah, he kicks your ass. It's, yeah. It all sounds very complex. I'm guessing it's, uh, it wasn't a success. Look, no. And it's very rare to find it these days. But I did manage to find it on eBay Yep. Uh, in the United States and it was on sale for $300. US dollars? US dollars. Oh, fuck. So if you're really, really bored yeah. and want to throw away $300, yep. maybe play some board game out of like an ultra-violent, futuristic sci-fi western. <laughs> TSR, I wonder if they're in business. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> oh lord so uh, i guess we've got to talk about it are no, you talking about the sequel no we don't no look no we really don't nobody hang up nobody just like just briefly just, look, I, we'll just i know we're an hour and 40 minutes in here this is definitely are we, are we? we are yeah oh shit <laughs> you should have said we could have done a part two i'm edit. trying to point to my five watches like an anxious nazi oh. where's my fanta well i just thought you were fidgeting like a weirdo <laughs> um okay so Look, in 1996, yes, Carpenter and Russell uh, reunited to make Escape from LA, which... uh, But the interesting bit of trivia, and there is one interesting bit of trivia, Kurt Russell had actually kept his entire outfit from Escape from New York, okay, and actually kept it at home. Oh, that's awesome. And was thrilled to find when... Just so his kids would recognise him. Yeah, just, you know, (laughs) have a flashback to their childhood. Yeah. He was actually thrilled to find out that it still fit him 17 years later. That's awesome. Fucking power of Kurt Russell. Oh, my Lord. Now, in the last few years, there have been, I'm going to say it, threats. Threats to remake. Oh, yep, yep. 
Because uh, uh, Hollywood is just completely out of ideas. Yeah. Apparently. And just morally bankrupt. Yeah. 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 And so just let's just destroy everything that people hold dear. Yeah. So it's actually been sort of thrown around for a while through a few different directors. Yep. These are, these are the leading men that have been suggested. I'm just going to say no to all of them outright, but go ahead. Gerard Butler. No. Chris Hemsworth. No. And someone thought to save somebody, Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> you get him for one day. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone actually suggested Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, who turned the idea down flat on its head straight away and said, no, nah, no chance. It would be career suicide. Good on him. Yeah. So somebody's got some moral integrity. Oh, Lord. But what's curious is even to this day, Kurt Russell, he still states that Escape from New York is his favourite of all of his films that he's been in. Of course. It's a fucking masterpiece. And Snake Plissken is his favourite character that he has ever played. So, you know what? I think we should leave some of the final words to uh, Kurt. Yeah. Who... uh, uh, sums sums it up in this. Um, we were just like pirates out on the sea, having a good time. <laughs> Snake is a mercenary, and his style of fighting is a combination of Bruce Lee. I don't remember that part, but okay. Yeah. Um, the Exterminator. <laughs> I think he meant the Terminator. <laughs> and Darth Vader. He doesn't have any force powers. There is, I don't remember. Well, maybe it's like me when I try to make people explode by oh, my mind. No, he does have force powers because whenever he flicks his hair, your vagina twitches. That is true. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I shouldn't mock him. Yeah. So with Darth Vader, with Clint Eastwood's vocalness. <laughs> Lucky it's not Clint Eastwood's racism. <laughs> but there's also a lot of new wave to him. Kurt Russell suggests that even though, yes, Snake Plissken is a bank-robbing criminal, his individuality makes him acceptable to the audience in a heroic way. What I actually think is, and I think we really should leave some of the last words to Kurt Russell, is there is actually... There's an excellent interview with Kurt Russell where he actually talks about, because obviously when they start making it, everyone was worried, is this movie going to happen? Is Snake Plissken tough enough? Can Kurt Russell be a tough guy? And he actually has a story on this. When you were you know, making this movie and you were in the outfit, you, you kind of knew this movie was going to work. Oh, um... Yeah, one day we we were. Of course, you shoot Escape from New York in St. Louis, <laughs> and the reason we did was because at that time St. Louis, the center of St. Louis, was literally bombed out. I mean, it was just nothing there, so it was perfect for for our needs. And there weren't even <laughs> any, good news, know, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> you know, so, there weren't even any bums down there. I mean, there was nothing down there. So uh, we were just young guys, and so we we're doing this show and. And John, one time, Carpenter said, uh, okay, run down there about five, four or five blocks and then get, just get off camera and then when, we'll give you a walkie-talkie and tell you to come and want to get a shot of you running down here. So I had that outfit on and I had, this is 1980, and I had this massive machine gun and I had another gun on my hip and I had you know, my eye patch on and, and going down there, I'm kind of, you know, getting in the snake mood. 
And uh, Snake was a pretty bad boy. He didn't you know, much care about anything. So by the time I got down there and turned to the corner, I was I'm ready to go. And uh, I turned a corner, and there's four guys, four big guys, coming around the corner from their side. And they're coming, and they stopped. And they looked at me, and I had, I, because of the eye patch, I had this habit of, of having to turn my head to really see what I was looking at. <laughs> and they saw this guy just looking at him, like eyeballing him. And it was that quarter of a second where something was going to go. And they just went, they looked at me and they went, easy, man, easy. <laughs> and they all turned around and walked away. And I remember coming around the corner and I told John, I, said, I, think, this, I think this character's going to work. <laughs>